up, everybody? You're listening to NoCo Cinema here on WGM+. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I am Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And uh, we're super psyched to be back with you for another week of Chicago Film Conversation. Connor, it's been a week. I know. I know. Well, we had so much goddamn fun last week. Well, what's a, what's a week? You know? What's a week? What's in a week? A Tuesday. My birthday was yeah. last oh, week. Yeah. Oh my god! We forgot. That's uh, in a, some weeks. One uh, one of every year. One week uh, out of fifty two. Yeah, yeah fifty two weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was Connor's birthday. Did you? What'd you? What'd you get up to? I went to Parsons and I had some chicken, and Love then I went Parsons. to Best Intentions and I had some beer, and then I went home and uh, I watched a movie, which was. Not very good, but we'll discuss that we'll get in a into bit. that later. But uh, <laughs> in case you know, I liked it. I'll say that. In case uh, someone hasn't said it to you, or you know, I don't think I ever gave you a formal birthday. Well, let me hear but, it. Happy birthday, Connor! Thanks, babe. Yeah. Um, lots to talk about this week. Um, I want to start off by you know, some we like to keep up with the people that we've talked to on the show, even if they can't physically be here to talk about um, what they're up to recently, but. You may remember a filmmaker by the name of Emily Esperanza. Uh, She, you know, Chicago filmmaker, but now she's in L.A. and she's doing a lot of great stuff. You remember we talked a little bit about her film Makeout Party, which was so much fun. Uh, What a a piece. Went to the world premiere. Yes. It was an amazing time. Yeah. Saw so many great performers and it was all put together by her and the producer Eve Rydberg. Yeah. Wonderful time. Fantastic job. You took some great pictures that you can see on our Instagram at No Coast Cinema. There's still so much fun to go back and and look at um, because it just seemed like such a great time. But she's, you know, chugging along, doing her thing, and she's actually been, you know, making some headlines. Recently, she just got a two-page feature in July's issue of a American Art Collector, uh, and that's in print only. So if you want to see it, I think you can get it online if you subscribe. So definitely, you know, maybe throw in a, a little subscription to American Art Collector if that's your thing. But she got a full two-pager in that magazine, as well as last month, if you didn't see it, she got a uh, nice piece in Real Chicago. Did a great interview with them. Yeah. Talks so a lot about fun. what it's like being a uh, uh person of color in the film industry yeah being a woman in the film industry everything that we you know we touched on with her but uh it's it's always good to keep up with her and see what she's talking about now see what she's doing uh and just to see how you know just see her kicking ass out there you know oh yeah she's killing it so uh emily from us here at noco cinema so happy to see you doing so well and um we want to we hopefully you know we'll talk to you again soon once you're famous as shit talk to you soon yeah uh, don't forget <laughs> okay oh, shit. oh no tom pull it together sorry, man sorry, sorry we've still got to talk scarlett johansson yeah uh super important so i you know this is so funny um it's not enough funny but it's odd that in one of the earliest episodes of this show we talked about scarlett johansson uh playing the title role not title role playing the lead role in the film ghost in the shell right which was a huge controversy at the time and understandably so absolutely it was a big issue that she is a white woman playing a traditionally or what we understand to be an asian character a japanese character and you know for fans of ghost in the shell it's an anime made in written in japan made in japan um and they brought in ScarJo to do this. It was directed by a uh, a white guy, 
and um, it was kind of it was a big problem. And she went through with it. Obviously, right. you know, it came. The movie came out. Didn't do super well. Nope. Um, I never saw it. I, I ended up seeing it for like I got like a free red box. So I was like, I'll watch this. Wasn't super impressed. Yeah. You know, as a film, it's fine. But like the the issues surrounding, it, I was just like. Wow, this could have been done a lot better. Um, and I feel bad that because I like Scarlett Johansson as an actress. Yeah, so do I. And she's she's great. And I just it saddened me that she would go through with the decision, regardless of um, this sort of backlash. And it just came off as very ignorant, really. Maybe I mean, by the time the backlash came to a full head, maybe it was too late. You know, and I don't yeah into it. I don't remember if she ever made an official uh, like response about the Ghost in the Shell backlash. No, I don't remember it. But she has been sort of thrown into this gauntlet again recently. If you've been paying attention, yeah, she was cast as a transgender man in uh, the film Rub and Tug. Yes, so the story of that film is a uh, transgender man, Dante. Tex Gill, who operated a massage parlor and prostitution business in Pittsburgh in the 70s and 80s. So I think that's an inter- a super interesting story. Love to see a film about that. Right. However, the team, the pair up of ScarJo and, and the, the same director same from director Ghost in the Shell. Exactly. Came together to do this film. And it's just like how many times is history going to repeat itself? It was kind of silly that she would go, you know, even think about entertaining this. She is essentially coming off this movie that had a lot of bad press around it. A lot of problems with it as well, yeah. Yeah, and decided to basically put herself through it again, uh, except for this time, she decided to finally do the right thing. Uh, According to The Hollywood Reporter, she has exited the film Rub and Tug. She is no longer going to be part of it. Um, In terms of the film actually getting made at this point, I guess we'll just see. I'd love to see a film get made. However, uh, it just doesn't need to be with ScarJo in the title role. It can be with a trans actor in the title role now. Right. And this is to say, you know... I'm glad that she did decide to step down, but she I'm hearing things as though people are sort of applauding her decision to step down. Yeah. And let's not forget that she actually did, res- you know, release a response to the backlash. And she yeah. said, why don't you go talk to the representation of Jared Leto and Jeffrey Tambor and a third person who I'm not familiar with. So I'm not. Yeah, I don't really understand. But the, what two, they did, the two but high-profile ones being Jared Jeffrey Leto. Tambor yep. and Jared Leto, who both won awards mm-hmm. for playing transgender people. And um, I'm not really sure what her point is with that. Is the thing? Well, I think what she's. I, I here's what I'll say. I think what she's trying to get at with that statement was that there's precedent. There's pre- well, why why does Jared why do Jared Leto and Jeffrey Tambor get to win awards for playing trans people when she's getting she's like basically getting pressured to get kicked off this movie right and to or to exit this movie rather and i think there's definitely i don't think that's like logically inconsistent she's like wait Jeffrey Tambor won an award he was seen as you know being part of a very progressive movement Jared Leto won an Oscar won an Oscar 
for for it. So why can't she play this character? Uh, my personal feelings on it are that Jeffrey Tambor and Jared Leto didn't need to play those characters. They should should have probably had trans people play those characters. That's not to take away from the quality of those performances. I don't think I think those things can be mutually exclusive like that. Those performances are not suddenly complete shit. Right. Because they weren't, you know, this because it wasn't done the right way, essentially. Uh, However, that's not the road we want to keep going down. Right. Uh, Eddie Redmayne caught a lot of flack for the Danish girl. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. So I, I think there is a salient point there as to why are the these men. And I, and that's not to say that there wasn't backlash against those casting choices. Yeah, I do um, remember hearing that there was concern at the very least or just outright criticism of particularly Jared Leto's uh, portrayal. And they thought it was like bordering on caricature. They yeah. thought it was a disrespectful thing. And let's yeah. also not for let let's also like remember that trans actors can't the way that Hollywood is set up. You can't you won't see a trans actor like playing a straight person. Yeah, it's really it's it's really sad. Because there's plenty of trans actors out there willing to play the roles, but, you know, through whatever, you know, I don't know what word to put on it in terms of it's not, I don't want to call it a conspiracy, but like, you know, if casting directors are prejudiced against trans people, they're just like, oh, you have to play a man. You're not convincing as a man, all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, that's just sad. But if we're going to be as cynical as possible about it. At least let the where it's like, okay, we can't have trans people play, you know, the gender that they are, you know, the gender that they feel because they're not passing, which if you ask me is kind of bullshit, but whatever. Uh, If we're going to be as cynical as possible, at least let them play the trans roles for fuck's sake. Right. Like if you're not going to cast them in cis roles, fine, whatever. Let's be assholes about it. But you have to at least give them the trans roles because then you literally have a trans person. Like, it's not that hard. I really don't think it's that hard. There are plenty of trans actors out there that you could put in that role. And hopefully as things go forward um, with Rub and Tug, that's what we're going to get. Right. Uh, Although I I like that you pointed out in The Hollywood Reporter, the headline is transgender artists applaud Scarlett Johansson's Rub and Tug exit, which is like, that's that's good like it's it's good that um you know people are saying that that's good that she's you know being like yes you should exit but let's not give someone a gold star for doing the right thing right <laughs> you know for doing yeah you don't need a gold star for giving into their conscience over a mi- yeah. multi-million dollar contract it's right not, yeah boo-hoo she's in the fucking avengers you yeah. know she's she's a she makes so much money and again scarjo we like you we like you a lot I like a lot of your movies. Come on the show. Maybe we'll show, maybe Scar-Jo. we'll squeeze you in in a couple of months. <laughs> Fine. But, you know, um you don't she I hopefully the lesson she's walking away with is like I I should do the right thing. I can do the right thing. I have the power, the the privilege and the financial, you know, ability to do the right thing. So, and we're glad that she did. We're glad that the, that she did. Let's get some trans actors in there and let's get this movie made. Let's All right. get this movie made the right way. Um, want to jump over to uh, <laughs> a dark, yeah, a darkness on the horizon. Yeah, a darkness on the horizon. We are the now end of an era. The end of an era. Nearly, nearly the end of an era. We are on the precipice. The last blockbuster store. There, there's one blockbuster <laughs> store left. Uh, 
Uh, originally, there was a lot of, I mean, people wrote about this a lot. Um, Listeners, close your eyes and take yourselves back to the halcyon days of your youth. Yeah. The, and remember. The 80s and 90s, the, the king of home video. Remember the smell of Lysol on the wind? Yeah. <laughs> As he walks, is that the smell of the of the video store? A little Lysol. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the big story is that there is only one blockbuster store left in America. Uh, a lot of people have written about how there were blockbusters. You know, blockbuster went bankrupt quite a while ago at this point under you yep. know just mounting financial pressure, debts that no honest man could pay. Uh, and there were two blockbuster stores in Alaska that people really liked to write and talk about. And it was, you know, it was really cool. And the reason behind those blockbusters staying open was by virtue of the fact that Alaska, all, you know, I don't think people really think about how remote most of Alaska is still. It's, I mean, they have, it's not like they don't have running water. Right. But, but like, there are towns with literally a population of two people. Yeah. It's it's a very remote, very wild sort of area. So the infrastructure of things like the internet is not super great. It's not like you know living in Chicago where you can get gigabit internet for relatively cheap and you can just stream fucking 4K content. Uh, so Blockbuster was a huge lifeline to people. This is how they got their entertainment. And uh, the two Blockbusters in Alaska, the two last Blockbuster stores, one in Anchorage and one in Fairbanks, announced that they would officially officially close this week. And, Moment uh, of silence. Yeah. And so that leaves only one blockbuster video left in Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon is the very last blockbuster in existence. Now, that's not to say that there aren't video stores left across America and chains as well. Um, you can still go to a family video. In fact, I was in a family video not long ago in oh, Des Moines, shit. Iowa. Really? Yeah, still going strong. People love the video store, and you've got a lot of small independent ones. I know you uh, had recently you recently visited one. Odd Obsession, yeah, down on Milwaukee in uh, beautiful, beautiful Chicago, and that place is is great because yeah. you can go in. Not only can you rent movies there, you can buy them for extremely cheap. Great, they have a great selection of. Uh, you know, just like the normal movies that you would see on, scrolling through Netflix, but they also have a bunch of weird cult stuff along the walls and really old movies. And another thing that I really liked about it is they also have independent zines. They have independent comic strips and uh, papers that were made by local artists in Chicago. And you can go in there and they're they're free to take. Uh, you can donate to them if you would like. Uh, Odd Obsession is just a great place to either stop into a great place to support it's a boon for the independent art scene in chicago and it's just a great you know it's one of the few remaining places that you can go and really capture that uh rental film rental experience and that's just off the uh is it the western blue line yes sir right off the western blue line 1830 north milwaukee avenue um what did you pick up this time? What did you what did you go for? I went there and I got a couple of uh like I mentioned I got a couple of comic strips. There were just some, you know, pulp uh magazines that I picked up. Uh I bought Casino Royale. Uh, the the Bond one? Yep, yeah. I bought yep, Casino Royale the, and I also bought uh Machete. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite Robert Rodriguez movies. Really? Period. I'm not going to lie to you. I've never actually seen it. You've never seen Machete? No, I've only seen I I saw the uh the fake trailer that they made for Grindhouse when they originally yep. did um Planet Terror and Death Proof. I saw that and was like this is this is nuts. This is funny. And then when they actually made it, I was like the absolute madman. And then they made a sequel, Machete yeah. Kills. Yeah. And then Lady Machete Gaga's in it. And then Machete in Space. Is that going to happen? I hope so. Fucking Mel Gibson is in the second one. I know. Fucking Robert De Niro is in the first one. Um, uh, I know. What's Charlie Sheen. Yep. As, as the president. As uh, as his birth name, Carlos Estevez. That's his. He, cre- he He's credited in there as Carlos Estevez, which is really? his birth name. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. You know, his brother's Emilio Estevez, right? Charlie Sheen. Yeah. No, Char- I did not know and that. Martin Sheen is his last name. His That's a stage name. That's like his stage name. His real oh. last name is Estevez. Wow, I did never knew that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Teach me. Teach me more. But uh, yeah, Odd Obsession, great store, and it's great to know that there's still a store like that out there. Especially because uh, you know, not to wax nostalgic too much, but um, going to the video store was so much fun. Yeah. I loved going to the video store. I loved it so so much, and I do miss the tactile nature of doing those things and you know you can call me a luddite if you want i still pay for a ton of streaming services streaming is just the way things are going to be right but it's nice to know that the option exists and um you know streaming services will come and go based on how popular they are i mean there's great stuff out there like shutter which collects a lot of cult a lot of horror a lot of that sort of thing but if they ever become financially insolvent it goes away so where do you find those movies it's the feeling that you get when you go into a library, you know, Yeah. And you want to pick up a book or you don't really know what you're looking for necessarily, but you know that you'll find something because you're surrounded by a bunch of great stuff. And a lot of great people that are um, super into this, like this is what they love. So if you, I, you could walk into Odd Obsession and just be like, hey, you know, I really liked, say, The Wailing. I really like The Wailing, but I want to watch other things similar to that. Right. Give me some other recommendations, and I guarantee you they will have at least five movies and they'll be like, need to see it. And they'll be so much more dead on than any Netflix or Amazon algorithm yeah. ever possibly could be. I fucking hate the algorithm. I couldn't... I was... I can't remember what it was, but it's. it recommended me like... Oh, Gabriel Iglesias's I'm not fat, I'm fluffy because of my interest in the whaling or something like that. <laughs> it was like I couldn't clearly you like torturing yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you like ex- you like excruciatingly long things that full of full screaming. of screaming that <laughs> full of screaming that make you dread going to sleep. <laughs> Have you seen any of Gabriel Iglesias's stand up? <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what happens. You know, um, you'll go in and I watch, like, I'd watch, like, Sunset Boulevard. It's like, oh, you like Sunset Boulevard? How about American Pie Bandcamp? It's like, what the fuck is this dick? Yeah, no, these people at video stores actually gave you super great recommendations. And they are are going to be, they're not, uh, you know, they're closing down. We had this one that was up in our, up in northern Wisconsin, this place we go to all the time, my family and it had become a drapery store. Fuck oh, God. Well, it's, it's well, and it's so sad too. Well, with I'm sure with a place like that, you know, Lac du Flambeau, 
pay your respects. Um, Lac du Flambeau is the kind of place it, it, where people have like a lake house, like where it's like you're not there all the time. Yeah, but so, there are, you know, I mean, there are people obviously. who are there like, yeah, you'll have a community that it lives up there full time. But I'm sure they do, you know, the video, a video store like that would probably bank on people coming up for right. like a weekend or maybe even a couple weeks. And um, they would bank on, you know, you get a rainy day. Everybody comes in to rent some movies. Exactly. That's you know? what we use it for. But uh, Or even if was, you're just like, oh, man, you know, don't really want to go out on the lake tonight. I just want to hang out, watch a movie, yeah. you know, in the in the house. So it makes me sad because these are these are real people that run these businesses and small business is important. Um, and you got to support them. So I would say if you are a listener to the show, odds are you will love Odd Obsession movies. Um, so check it out. 1830 North Milwaukee Avenue, right off the Western Blue Line stop. They've got everything. I mean, you said that they have like new releases, just the general stuff you'd find. Yeah, yeah. There's a full section, a full, uh, you know, stack of shelves in the very front as soon as you walk in, full of all of the, like, dead baby driver in there and, wow. you know, all of the movies that had just come out on uh, digital. It's so, great. Yeah. So it's you'll fantastic. be able to, you can go in and do it support it yeah support the local business um and who knows if there will be a resurgence in it like there is a resurgence in vinyl you know yeah it'd be it would be super great it'd be super great if that were uh were what happened as rudyard kipling put it the gods of the copybook headings with terror and slaughter return (laughs) (laughs) what blockbuster comes back and just destroys netflix That'd be crazy. I would honestly, I'd be curious to see if that were to happen. Like all of a sudden people get super into like movie rentals. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's not like, well, the, the, I think the, one of the big problems for the business side of it is not just Netflix, but you have things like Redbox. Yeah. Where it's like, people are so afraid to talk to human beings right now. Yeah. Like it's like a chore. I've talked to some people are just like, why would I ever go to a movie rental place? Like I would have to talk to someone. And I'm just like, it's hysterical. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, and with Redbox, you don't have to do that. You just scroll. You just it. want a vending machine yeah. for your movies. And then also, but it, they also have the whole one day rental thing. You can rent a movie for a buck fifty. Yeah. That is you know, good. and they don't have to pay employees to keep the store clean, stock it, give recommendations and that sort of thing. So they're just undercutting it at that point. So yeah. you really got to seek it out. But, um, that's I think that's the bit one of the biggest problems is that even if you want to go rent a physical thing, you it's so much easier than having to go to the store and like peruse. But I love the perusing. And video stores have a backlog of titles. You're not just limited to what's in the red box. Right. You know, say you wanted to catch up on Ant Man. But they just aren't carrying. I mean, they are, but, you know, they're not carrying it in the red box that week. Sorry. Tough. And, I mean, that's different. I mean, obviously, if you go to a video rental place and they're all out of copies of it, you know, it's the same deal. Right. But at least you might be like, well, I can rent something out. Like, you can go watch the classics. You can watch something that you've never seen before. Like, you're just like, you know, I've never seen, uh, I don't know, Midnight Cowboy. Classic. Dustin Hoffman. Right. John Voight. There was a semblance of like luck of the draw when you went into a movie store like oh i really wanted to i remember when i was a kid one time i really wanted to see the alien scooby-doo movie the oh, like yeah. uh, the Scooby-Doo animated the alien invaders or yeah something like exactly that. and i remember i was going through and there was like one copy left and i pulled it up and it was some you know it was like some 
porn parody of <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't rent that. I was a child. Yeah. I did ask my mom what it was, and she said it was a film for dirty old men. But uh, <laughs> I decided not to rent that. But I do remember that um, what I did pick up, I, I watched Jaws. For the first time, so so you go in for I went Scooby, for Scooby Doo, Doo. You walk out with Jaws. Jaws, and I saw Jaws for the first time, and I had a great bonding experience with uh, my uh, my mom, who is a fan of uh, Spielberg, obviously, and my father, who loved Jaws. And yeah, we bonded over watching. Wow, that. look at that! And that's something that's not going to happen a lot. And uh, you know, again, call us like call it nostalgia, call it whatever the fuck you want. I understand that there's business things that get in the way of it right but you can't deny that those moments were formative for a lot of people whether they're huge film nerds or not things like that were really important um but it also you know at the same time i remember uh me and my brother like every week for like three for like three or four weeks we just rented too fast too furious (laughs) And just watch it for like what every reason? Because it's fucking awesome. That's oh. why. Are you kidding me? I thought maybe Inject it was Ocedo. Cause like, I thought maybe it was like some devious plot, just so that other people couldn't watch. Couldn't watch too, too fast, fast, too, too furious. furious. No, we rented it like every week for three or four weeks, and we just watched it like constantly. We loved Too Fast, Too Furious because we thought it was like the coolest movie ever made. Because we were like, I don't know. 10 11 years old <laughs> you know that was, that shit was rad when you were 11 it is fucking badass i'll say super that badass super badass so uh hopefully you know you guys are still interested in renting those kinds of things i know things are uh winding down on a lot of physical media but not for me if you ask me um i did ask you yeah <laughs> thanks <laughs> thank you i'm asking you now yeah in this moment Mm -hmm. okay i want to jump into uh on that note i want to jump into the uh criterion collection because when i first found out about the criterion collection i think that's what really re-inspired my um obsession with physical media um i was already buying tons you know i still you know dvd was brand new when we were young i remember the rise of DVD happened within our adolescence and that was the format. And then I, I was super about collecting DVDs cause that's how you watched movies. And I wanted to watch all my movies and I've always been a little bit like that, but the criterion collection really upped the fucking game for me. Um, in terms of, I was like, wow, I can watch these movies that maybe I've never seen before, but I get enticed by it because the art and like the, the assumption that if it's in the criterion collection, it's worth watching. Now, Tom, how did you find out about the criterion collection for people who might be interested in starting their own collection? Um, so I found out through Barnes and Noble. I happened to go into a Barnes and Noble one day with my girlfriend and we just walked into the movie section. I typically, I'm, I don't really care. They're a corporate entity. I don't give a shit. Uh, I typically almost never buy movies at Barnes and Noble because the markup on that shit is insane. <laughs> it is not even funny how much a DVD or a Blu-ray costs at Barnes and Noble. Um, I'm just like, I, I, I think I even asked one of the people who worked there. I was just like, obviously you have no control over this. I was just like, what? 
how do you expect people to pay like $35 or something so ridiculous for a DVD here or a Blu-ray here when they can go to Best Buy and probably get it for at least $15 cheaper? And they just kind of shrug. They're just like, we don't really, because it's not our main moneymaker. Right. So they just mark up the DVDs a ton. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, whatever. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, see you later. I'm going to Best Buy. But uh, they Barnes & Noble, twice a year, they have this huge Criterion collection sale, 50% off of these Criterions, which typically retail at about $40 a pop. Now, the reason they retail at that much is because they are full of like exclusive supplements. A lot of these movies can't be purchased in this format anywhere else. Um, a lot of them have been meticulously restored by the Criterion Collection. And so you're really paying a high premium. And a lot of places don't sell Criterion movies. Like Barnes & Noble is the only, one of the few stores I've ever walked into that se- actively sells Criterion. Them, Amazon, and believe it or not, fucking Costco. Really? You can get Criterions for half off at Costco. It's a very limited co- selection. You can get a whole pallet of, of- restored Good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> you can get three hundred copies for ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you can get seriously. You can get like these, you know, classics of cinema for like twenty dollars at Costco. It's so. It's like the Criterion sale all year, but their selection is super limited to oh, what okay. they what they have. But every twice twice a year, I go into. Um, going to Barnes and Noble, and I just build out that Criterion collection. Um, which I guess will lead us now into what have we been watching recently? Yeah, did you pick something up recently from Criterion? Yeah, I so I got a lot of movies this time. Some I've seen, some I haven't seen. Oh um, boy! Out of the ones that I've seen, I got I picked up The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which nice. I think is a super underrated movie. Um, I, is it? Yeah, no. Seriously, if you look up, I will pull up the Rotten Tomato meter right now. It was so he I've, was Wes Anderson was riding pretty high by the time uh the life aquatic came out because he had done moonrise kingdom prior to that right no this this is way before moonrise kingdom really this is like 2004 oh this is yeah this what is, had he done before before that he had done holy shit kevin spacey was in a bug's life okay <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> um so this is way before this is after the royal tenenbaums this is after rushmore okay royal tenenbaums royal tenenbaums right, had been right. the one that he had just done and royal tenenbaums was super well received and um a lot of people really did not like this um it's got it's it's really not a terrible tomato meter rating and i'm not super heavy on the tomato meter it's skewed and all that kind of stuff but it gives us at least a a dipstick test yeah, gives exactly. us a nice little test something to orient ourselves right um so it's sitting at only about a 56 percent which is not fantastic and the uh, based on rotten tomatoes the critic consensus was that the life aquatic with steve zisu is getting is soaked by many critics who call it smug ironic and artificial and I can understand that, and that's a common criticism, I think, of Wes Anderson in general, is that it's very quirk, it's very, like... Very on the nose about how he has his own style. Yeah, I mean, you cannot watch any um, Wes Anderson movie without being very aware of the form that that he's working with. Um, he's very particular. He's very like, you know, artifice heavy. Right. But this one in particular has a lot of um, c- 
kind of that early 2000s indie quirk to it. Um, there's a whole section that's like a tiny little model of the of the ship, and it's like all meti- like meticulously handmade and everything, yeah. and everybody's walking through it, and it's like very clearly the artifice of it all very it's like this might be the most wes anderson movie ever made if by certain standards of aesthetic yeah um but i i personally love it i think um it's i think it's my favorite by wes anderson for a litany of reasons and it's i it's actually his lowest rated um probably his worst reviewed because it's that on tomato meter on the Rotten Tomatoes, it's fifty six percent. For comparison, Tenenbaums is eighty, Rushmore is eighty nine, Fantastic Mr. Fox ninety three, Darjeeling Limited only a little bit higher than that at sixty nine percent. Grand Budapest was a huge one for him. Even Isle of Dogs um, and Moonrise Kingdom all hit in those nineties. So it's kind of weird. It's kind of an anomaly. I really like it. I think it's great. I was happy to pick it up. And I think that a lot of people are like that with that movie. I think that yeah. the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, the it's fifty six percent for critics, but it's in the eighties for yeah. audience. Score I think a lot of people really love. Yeah. I think it's Bill Murray's best performance in a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's really focused on him, which is nice to see, too. Yeah. It's super funny, too. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so <laughs> ironic and so good. Um, I also picked up Mulholland Drive. Fuck uh, yeah. David Lynch. Oh, arguably his right, magnum right. opus. Um, arguably, you know, the, the BBC did a ranking of the greatest films of the 21st century thus far, and it was number one. Mulholland Drive was Mulholland number one. Drive, number one. I I hate those lists because it's sometimes but it gives I, you an interesting perspective. It is. Exactly. I I can't really argue with that. It's such a weird thing to argue with. Mm-hmm. How do you argue like something else above Mulholland Drive? Yeah, cuz it's like why even compare anything to Mulholland Drive? It's so right of itself. <laughs> yeah. It's very it's the it's very David Lynch. It's but it's also spectacular. And I'm a man who's a very big fan of David Lynch's work. Um I like a lot of his stuff even when it's at its most difficult. Um and Mulholland Drive is just two and a half hours of total mindfuck and it's it's really great so I had to pick that one up, um the Before trilogy box set Richard Linklater's Odyssey of Love right right um really happy to get that one did you get that one on a recommendation from Gabe Klinger by any chance because I remember I did yeah I mean and I had seen before I'd seen the first one before Sunset and I know and I noticed when I I remember when we talked to him um. Went with his film Porto, there were shades of yeah. of the before trilogy in that. Absolutely, a different kind, a different kind of way, but definitely shades of that. Link later, you know, watching a relationship unfold as opposed to having a plot. Because if if there's one thing you can definitely say about the before trilogy is that there is virtually no plot. It's not. It's not about anything it's not like there's there there's no plot but it's about a lot of things and um it's one of the most naturalistic expressions of uh of romance i've really ever seen or how how a relationship uh progresses so if you haven't seen the before trilogy and you really want to pick something up from this criterion sale it's typically like a hundred dollars to get for 50 bucks and it's this beauty, maybe even less, it might even be less. And if you're a um, fan of collecting something and you know what that feels like, or you have always been interested in starting a collection. Do, doing Criterions is definitely a good, it's it's a good like a weird hobby. Um, and the last one I want to throw in, and this is where I've been watching a lot of films from 
um, is I picked up the America, the America Lost and Found, the BBS story. It's a box set of uh, seven, I want to say seven films, all from the um, much, you know, the pretty well-known production house BBS that started, you know, at the birth of the new Hollywood movement at the uh, end of the 60s, beginning of the 70s, and produced some of its most important works. Um, you've got the Monkees film Head, which is trippy as shit. It's so crazy. Never seen that. Oh, yeah. If you, you know, we're talking about the Monkees, like the first construct, you know, constructed boy band. Yep. And um, they made this totally batshit crazy movie um, to compete with the Beatles and all that kind of stuff. Their film presence. Um, easy Rider. That was, you know, fantastic movie. Five Easy Pieces. Um, the Last Picture Show by Peter Bogdanovich. Um, some of the hallmarks of the new Hollywood movement. And in particular, one I watched the other day that I found that is very much a lesser known work from not just BBS, but of the new Hollywood movement is called drive. He said directorial debut of Jack Nicholson. Really? Yeah. And it's a really interesting movie about, uh, Vietnam, um, sexual freedom and college basketball. What a wonderful intersection. Yeah. It's, it's, it can be a confusing movie at times. It's like, uh, you know, it's very loose in a lot of ways, but I think it's really great. And it's a re really interesting picture of campus culture at the time. It's a really interesting picture of like uh, sexual liberation and what people might have been starting to realize about sexual liberation in terms of, hey, it's great to be sexually liberated, but you have to be careful. Because there are consequences to your actions and that sort of thing. Um, so I found that to be a really great movie. Um, just directed by Jack Nicholson. It was I so odd. I was thinking about that the other day. I, feel, I was like, Jack Nicholson strikes me as the kind of guy that's directed movies. But I don't know what movies. Yeah. I didn't know if he had. So. It was it was lo kind of lost to time a little bit. And thanks to the Criterion Collection, it came back. So, um, and you know. This I feel like this now sounds like an ad for the Criterion Collection. <laughs> well, I promise you it is not not sponsored. I just really like the Criterion Collection, and it gives you access to a lot of films that you might not ever have seen otherwise. A lot of blind buys in uh, in my Criterion purchasing that I'm just like, fuck, I'll, I'll buy this and see how it goes. And if not, I'll... You know, I'll either keep it just as an interesting sort of thing, maybe revisit it later, or I'll give it to someone else as a gift. Perhaps me for maybe. my birthday. We'll see. I will. I will buy it. I will buy some of your movies from you, Tom. Oh yeah, someday we'll, we'll see. Um, what have you watched recently, Connor? Well, uh, so this movie probably won't be uh, getting the Criterion treatment. <laughs> in uh, we don't know that. We don't know that. But I'm going to go ahead and this is a Connor pick. I'm going to say Tao on Netflix. Uh, what? We'll probably not get the Criterion. Yeah, treatment. I saw. I got the recommendation from that. There's like, oh, you really liked uh, that movie Cube. You should watch Tau. I'm like, oh, maybe. <laughs> Did you really like the movie Cube? I not. I didn't really like it. I I did. Um, I did think it was interesting. Yeah. But I wasn't like, wow, this is great. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I was entertained for ninety minutes. Yeah, it does seem like a movie where the premise kind of outweighs everything else it was weird because it was like saw before saw yeah in a way um and tau conversely is sort of like ex machina and 2001 after those movies <laughs> and not really <laughs> I approaching got from it yeah not really approaching that um 
level of quality. Exactly, that level of quality. But it's interesting to... On paper, it's great. It's got Micah Monroe, Ed Screen, and fucking Gary Oldman turning in a... uh, performance as a like an sentient ai that controls this mad man geniuses who's also like a psychopath he controls his house basically yeah and like i thought i recognized system. the voice i was yeah. just like that sounds strikingly like gary Oldman. it is strikingly is gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not um he did a netflix movie what do you know yeah um and there are some moments in it where it's pretty touching but overall the premise is a woman gets kidnapped by this guy who's trying to finish an AI that's going to change the world. And he like puts a chip into her brain that's constantly uploading data, like her memories and her like thoughts or something into a being translated into an algorithm, which is creating this like super AI. And she meets Tao, who is the AI that controls the guy's house. And she slowly starts teaching Tao about what it means, excuse me, to be a person and what it means to exist and eventually helps Tao empathize with her so that Tao starts to realize that he is keeping her captive at the behest of this fucking psychopath played by Ed Screen. So on paper, it's great. In execution, it falls flat. But I I enjoyed parts of it. I thought it was a sweet... Uh, thrilling movie at the very beginning. And at least it's, you know, some original content from Netflix, which is, you know, it can be hit or miss. Yeah. But they're they're doing what they're doing. They're trying to change the way that movies um happen. Yeah. You know, and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, the, I guarantee you, like, a big Hollywood studio probably would not have distributed that. That was what I was talking about with my roommates after I watched it. It's like, I'm glad that Netflix is picking up scripts that Hollywood otherwise would never pick up and i'm glad that you know it probably makes the person that created that makes them feel good that it's out there and they got somebody as big as gary oldman to be in their movie yeah absolutely um it reminds me a little bit of when i watched this movie called uh the ritual which was only theatrically released in the uk i think it's got one of the andes from hot fuzz in it. yeah rafe spall (laughs) yeah um (laughs) i watched that too i liked it i liked i liked that quite a bit i was like oh this is really great but again like you can't get these fucking audiences into seats anymore with anything original it's it's so weird it's so weird like nothing is enough for anybody if it's not a fucking marvel movie right and that's not to say that i hate the marvel movies or like i'd hate popular film but you know it's just something to observe like how do you get uh, butts into seats, and I mean, some movies really accomplished it, like A Quiet Place. Right, shocking but how well that you need did. some huge pedigree behind you if you're a filmmaker in order to put out something original and expect to get that big, you know, big box office success. Like you'd have to be like an Edgar Wright or a John Krasinski. Yeah, in, the, in A Quiet Place, it certainly case. didn't. It certainly didn't hurt that John Krasinski and Emily Blunt both starred in the film. I think they did pretty good on the marketing too, and plus the the concept is terrifying. Yeah. Um, and then you have something like Hereditary, which was pretty great at the box office, not too bad at the box office at all. Um, but I think that came from the again you said pedigree. A twenty four distributed it, so all the movie, all the people, both both people who are movie fans and people who are kind of like scratching at becoming the the movie fan thing um no no a24 
especially yeah. they know what that sim that logo means. Exactly what I was going to say. People like, are starting to recognize that what black and white logo. Yeah. And it's, it's very interesting. So uh, again, I'm glad that Netflix is making the original stuff that we at least can entertain ourselves and they can give some, uh, some inexperienced filmmakers a chance. Yeah. I really like that. That's a, that said, Tau falls flat. Yeah. <laughs> Three stars. Uh, all right, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week on No Coast Cinema. Uh, covered a lot of stuff today. Um, we'll be putting some links to the different articles that we talked about into um, our posts and the podcast and everything like that. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking with New Trash. They are a uh, kind of a video art collective. Yeah, and I'm fucking psyched. Yeah, they are fantastic. They've made some of the most strikingly original music videos I've seen anywhere. Yeah. Uh, really great stuff. So we'll, we're excited to expand our horizons from not just cinema to the art of filmmaking as, as a music video. Because music videos, I know a lot of music videos growing up, I watch them, I'm like, I feel like I'm watching a film. Right. A lot of, and a lot of directors who are huge now started Start. out music videos. Uh, David Fincher being probably the most prolific, if you ask me, in terms of becoming... St- he was making music videos for fucking Madonna. Right. He did all that shit and changed the game. So we're going to be talking music videos and art and all that kind of stuff with New Trash next week. Uh, until then... You are listening to NoCo Cinema here on WGM+. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I am Tom Hush. And I am Connor Cornelius. And we'll see you next week. 